Welcome to Eyes in the Dark. We are a horror movie podcast where our motto is simple. Death. by Sell. You. Lloyd. <laughs> Death by celluloid. That's what we believe in. We will sell you Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd going pretty fucking cheap because no one wants him. Wait, he's for sale? He is for sale. You can get I can sell you Lloyd. Bitch. But, you know. He told me he wasn't for sale last week. You're going to die if I sell you Lloyd. Oh. Because, you know, death by celluloid. Yeah, I don't want him. Anyway, we're a horror movie podcast, apparently. And we talk about horror movies. And uh, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves here and get through some of the business. Um, business. If you want to go ahead and contact us, maybe you give us some suggestions for movies we should do in the future. You can uh, tell us how we fucked up some facts. You can give us some praise, whatever you want to do. Um, you can go ahead and hit us up. At uh, our website, eyesinthedarkpodcast.com. You can also send us an email at eyesinthedarkpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you like to do it in 140 characters or less, so go ahead and hit us up on Twitter, at EITDpod. Um, you can also get to us individually. Uh, we'll go around that here in a second. And you can always get to us on our network site because we are part of the Stuff and Things Podcast Network. You can get to us at stuffandthingsnetwork.com. I am Chewy. I am one third of the Unholy Trinity. I am Evan. I am the second third of the Unholy Trinity. <laughs> Trinity. Oh, Trinity Crickets. <laughs> oh, Trinity Crickets. I am James, and I am the third of the third of the Trinity of thirdness. James the third. <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about ourselves right here. The Unholy Trinidad. There you go. Uh, I'm. I am Tobago. <laughs> you are Tobago. <laughs> You are Trinidad. You are some other. Winner Tobago. <laughs> winner Tobago. Um, so you can go ahead and reach us individually uh, for Chewy. It's going to be at Chupacabra, C-H-E-W-P-A-C-A-B-R-A. Uh, for Evan, it's going to be at Evan the Braun. Uh, find me at Jurassic Price. And uh, so welcome. You're here. Welcome. We got through the business, dude. And that was Finally. like fucking three minutes. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's fucking record time. Getting better. So let's talk about Stephen King some more here <laughs> in his fucking writing style. Uh, Stephen King? Oh, man. That was the joke because last time. Apparently, we yeah, apparently we didn't do so well with the uh, Stephen King trivia. So Yeah, I know, right? Um, so, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Welcome. <laughs> we were talking about like horror movies and shit. Um, I like how you brushed your <laughs> you hair brushed back when you head. said that. <laughs> <laughs> totally character, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, James, we are a horror movie podcast, but we are not the only horror movie podcast. So, what do we do? Why do we do this? I mean, we love horror movies. I kind of got into them through the zombie flick and through Japanese horror, and then Evan has a nice little, a nice little intro to horror as well. Evan, enlighten us. Um, I just watched them as a kid because. because. <laughs> That's your po- that's your fucking like catchphrase on the I podcast. Terrible parents. There you go. <laughs> Mainly, mostly a terrible mother. Just put in that this on. in this category. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not all just around terrible. Put that like on a shirt and just be like, I watch horror movies because I had a terrible mother. I watch horror movies because my parents suck. <laughs> Most people would say that's awesome that yeah. you get to watch horror movies when you're a kid. I would. I I agree. Yeah. I, mean, it's I was. Cool. I was. I loved them. But yeah. it kind of, it did kind of taint me for the rest of my life. It was kind of shoddy parenting. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I feel you. Like I won't let my, you know, I wouldn't have you any other way, I buddy. I want to let my my ten year old watch Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's a gnarly <laughs> movie. Yeah, I wouldn't let my little Hellraiser watch Hellraiser. There you go. That's true. What about you? Uh, anyways, yeah, I uh, got into horror movies uh, for uh, the excitement uh, of being scared. And um, yeah, got addicted to that. Got got some fear boners, <laughs> as I like to call them. So there's your uh, your flirtation with expressing that fear boner. Yeah, there you go. I just gotta drop the bug. I though. did express it while we watched this movie. By the way, <laughs> really? I had a raging fear boner I right next to you guys. Right. I saw yeah. it. I saw something jiggling. That, that was not a breadstick <laughs> that you reached for. Um. So tell us a little bit. What what is our aim? James. Well, we're trying to enlighten the people to have them think a little more critically about horror movies, such as you might do with a uh, Oscar-winning drama. Okay. And that's mainly because a lot of times people write off the horror genre. Um, It's easy to just be like, oh, it's a cheap buck. It's a cheap thrill. And in some cases, they're fucking right. We've we've reviewed some movies. (laughs) I might be... It might be an easy answer, but... Has a horror movie ever won anything in significance? Like an award? Like, like. Top of my head, I'm going to say Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture, if you consider that a horror movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, like, yeah. Shining, Shining might have been nominated for some stuff, I'm sure. I'm sure you kind of had to define, define the genre there, which we know is pretty difficult to do. But I still feel like yeah. even all those are like, like older. I don't know. I I feel like nothing today. Maybe uh, nothing in a modern standard. I I think it wouldn't even be considered. I'm shooting from the hip. Maybe maybe uh, Psycho. I don't know. Maybe review that one. Maybe that could have won some uh, best original screenplay or the original one, right? Yeah. Hitchcock. Yeah. Maybe some Hitchcock stuff like The Birds. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But um, yeah, so we we've seen some pretty crappy horror movies, and we we probably will. But a lot of times we'll try to uh, counter-argue that. So we did um, kind of what's considered a classic now. You know, I mean, anybody who's anybody, it's on every fucking list. You know, it's like, oh, that's like the top, you know, 10 and shit. Um, We did one that we've been holding off on for a while. Uh, We did Suspiria. 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 I don't know why we all just... Yep, I don't, I don't yep. Know. there it is. There it is. <laughs> I like how we all three of us just did different sounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, we, we were doing Notorious. No, after you did. That's what just I intended Never mind, I guess. I, I got, yeah, I was on Notorious. There you go. No, I, I heard it too. Stop, guys. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about the movie. I mean, like, when, who, where, what? Yeah, sure. Suspiria. Um, quick breakdown. It's made by a man called Dario Argento, an yes. Italian. Okay. The film like is Italian ass name. Yes. Awesome. Dario Argento. It uh, sounds like something I want to just sprinkle on some pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get some Argento on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Argento. Don't be confused, though. This movie is based in Germany. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, and it revolves around an American who is traveling to a world-renowned ballet school. Yeah. And upon arrival, finds out that it's a freak show. It's a fucking freak show. Yeah. That uh, there's so- something uh, mystic going on. Cool. Mystic. What, uh, like when, that movie Mystic Pizza. <laughs> when did this movie come out? 
with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> hey yo, with a Kevin Bacon Pizza, stuffed Bacon. crust. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, when did the movie come out? Uh, 1977. 77. So what? I else? I must say we sat down to watch this and I was like, yeah, yeah the subtitle film. It's Italian, guys. Yeah. It's not subtitled. It's not. No. It was dubbed. It's poorly dubbed. Yeah. Yeah, Very I was reading about dubbed. it. Like it, they they were saying like most of the actor or actresses, I guess there was actors too, were all either speaking German or Italian. In, or yeah. very poor English, and then they just dubbed the entire movie, except for the American girl, obviously. Yeah, and a lot. It seemed like a lot of the ballet dancers were actually speaking Amer- um, English. English, yeah, and they're like English. languages and shit. But it was clearly older, like teachers were yeah. not. They're I don't like, know. I I'm feel not like gonna, I'm not going to fucking learn. I feel English. like some of the young girls were not speaking, or they were they were speaking English, but it was so terrible that they dubbed it over with like oh. a. Italian accented person. Yeah, like they were mouthing the English words. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So, what makes this uh, what makes this movie special? I mean, historically, because we do kind of have to talk about that. Um, you know, its place in the t- the totems. You know, or whatever the tomes. That's the word I'm looking for. Still don't know what that word means. Yeah, it's um, a fucking book. Uh, oh, in, in the tomes, not a tomb. Um, horror history. Well, I guess because we are talking about horror, a tomb Ooh. in the tombs of horror history. Uh, well, um, I don't. Why is this on everybody's fucking list? I don't really know if. Do you know, James? If like, this is like a first of anything, like for for what it is, like a first of its kind. Uh, I think this movie put Dario Argento on the map. And then he yeah. went on to make a lot of other good movies, yeah. and so this is considered his like, his what do they call? What do they call that? Well, this is only like his like third movie. Yeah, well, it's like his fifth, I think, fourth or fifth or something like that. But this is this is one that made him famous. So it's kind of yeah. like his uh, ma- what, like magnum opus, ma- magnus, magnum opus, magnus, magnus opus, yeah, opus, magnum, magnum opus, opus, op, magnum opium. There you go. Yeah. This is his magnum opium. So like when you have a so, magnum condom filled with opium? It's yeah. it's kind of like Suspiria <laughs> is to Dario Argento as Nightmare on Elm Street is to Wes Craven. Oh, okay. I was going to say Last House to Wes Craven. No, because yeah. I don't think huh? that was like what put him on the map. No? Yeah. He's more no- I think he's more, yeah. more known for mm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I'd say okay. so. All right, cool. So, I mean, we have a breakthrough film for someone that was hugely influential in the horror genre. What right. did he go on to do that was big also? Uh, he did like Inferno. Um, he actually did Dracula 2000 or Dracula 3D. Dracula 3D, but that was like a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was recent. <laughs> so, that I was reading. weird. I know. I was reading earlier about it, I guess, Inferno and then Mother of Tears. Are it's supposed to be? It's technically a trilogy. So oh. Suspiria, Inferno, and Mother of Tears are all really? part of the the something Mother tr- trilogy. He uh, he actually did that the movie Black Queen trilogy. No, it was like Mother. I don't know. Yeah, Mother. Up. He actually did a movie about Hitchcock. Right. Uh, Tenombre, I think, and Phenomena. Uh, Phenomena is about Hitchcock. No, no, those are movies that Argento has done. He did a movie called Do You Like Hitchcock? And he also wrote... This one threw me for a loop. I didn't know this until I looked this up for the movie. What but he, he wrote the movie Once Upon a Time in, a West, in the West. Really? Which is an amazing movie with... Uh, you, I think it's... Is it Yul yeah. Brenner? No, Charles Bronson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, directed by Sergio Leone. Yeah. I no clue that he, he wrote, wrote that. Yeah, he wrote it. That's awesome, dude. The, the trilogy... Spaghetti Western makes sense. They were yeah. filmed in Italy. Sorry, the, tr- yeah. the trilogy is called The Third Mother. 
A third mother? Yeah. Oh, shit. That sounds ominous as fuck. Like, just right there. Or no, I'm sorry. The Three Mothers trilogy. Uh, It's kind of ominous still. I'm going to go with ominous. Um, All right. Well, let's... I mean, this is my first time watching the movie. Might I as hadn't well. seen it. You hadn't seen it. I've Could, seen it once. You've seen it once. You know, it's been on my list forever. I'm glad I was able to share this with you guys. But I, I did. I did. I will say that like I gained a little bit more out of it the second time watching it. The first time, yeah. I mean, I remembered when we were watching it. I, yeah. I remembered everything that was going on. I was like, oh yeah, yeah I remember this. But like, I think I the understood f- it a little bit more the first time I watched it. I thought I was like. What? What's going this on? Is a weird like, yeah. movie. I don't it's get it. Random. And then you were distracted weird. by a bunch of women in ballet uniforms, and you're like, "Oh god!" Can we fucking talk. Just spoiler alert: no fucking titties. Yeah, and you would expect it, they especially tease at the time. It so much. Oh, at yeah. the time, it's European so type of movie. It's European. You're in a ballet school. All these girls are in the locker room. I mean, fucking Carrie starts starts off with like tits and bush. Yeah, <laughs> but no, not the fucking classy. Did you? I got a bit of Carrie in this movie. Did you get that? A little bit. A lot of the 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 red blood on white surfaces. Yeah, reminded me of Carrie. You know, yeah, that fucking color in I this will, movie. I hate well, how the color is insane. Oh, the yeah, the, the color is like probably the is the it, color and the music are the two most standout things. The biggest life. personalities of the movie. Yeah, I agree. It's it's almost like I bet this was like Technicolor, maybe their last film. <laughs> I was reading something uh, about the color, but there was no soft color in here. So what, James? Explain. I've seen that all my life, and I just thought it was like, oh, like good color. What the fuck is Technicolor? Technicolor was actually a company that was around um, in the creation of color, color films. Okay. Um, actually, being able to film in color. Yeah. Uh, because before that they tried numerous techniques. Like we talked with Cabinet Doctor Caligari, they yeah. dyed film. Yeah. Right. They would dip entire entire film strips into dye to tint it a color, and they also experimented with late. Like they would pay ladies a low wage to hand paint yeah. frame by frame to get color into movies. Uh, Technicolor helped was a company that helped develop the first color film. Okay. And so they became very popular because. They not only helped develop it, but they had these vibrant colors, yeah. extremely bright yellows and and blues and pinks, and it was it was like so shocking that it became popular, and it kind okay. of beat out a lot of the competitors for color film. Um, and so it, it was like the industry standard um, for color for well financed movies because it was also expensive, oh, okay. yeah. but it was like a high gloss look that Hollywood really adapted. Ah. Uh, a lot of like Paramount and MGM really liked it because they had these high like. High gloss movies, really fancy classic Hollywood movies in the forties, fifties, and even into the sixties. And in the sixties, Technicolor starts to fade out because it's still expensive, and regular color film is cheaper. And people start a lot of Hollywood directors start going away from that classic Hollywood look. Like we know, the sixties show us the demise of the classical Hollywood era. Okay. So, but this movie seems like it like it revamps it. It's almost like a um, cartoon esque. Yeah. Technicolor. It's like but a. It's, I think it was a lot of. Like, it seemed like a lot of forced color though too. It wasn't like natural. Like, oh, this was the natural color of the set. No, no, yeah. no. And that, that's the thing about like Technicolor too. It's so bright that it looks unnatural. But I mean, clearly, it's a stylized choice here. Like, yeah. You you weren't using. A, I don't know if like this is Technicolor. Shining. By the way, like I'm just guessing. Oh, I have. But 
you yeah you, you would not choose it to look realistic I, I i was reading that i'll just read this to you guys real quick but this is uh something they were saying about this exact uh topic but it says uh it is often assumed that to achieve rich color palette, the film was shot using outdated, the outdated three-strip Technicolor process. This is not true. No film made after the mid-50s was shot using this method. This film was instead shot on normal Eastman Color Kodak stock, then printed using a three-strip Technicolor process, utilizing one of the last three remaining strip, remaining three-strip machines. This issue has been confused somewhat by the fact that on the 25th anniversary documentary, blah, 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 talks about some stupid yeah. thing. So essentially, esen- <laughs> very, very um, technical that because the Technicolor process was this three-strip process, but I mean, so you don't film on the three-strip process, but then you edit it on the three-strip process. Basically, it's Technicolor. Yeah. But funny that it is one of the last ones because, yeah, it. I didn't know that they stopped filming in the 50s. I would have guessed the 60s, but you know, Technicolor was pretty much gone by 68. 69 had no idea yeah i don't really know i don't really know much about that kind of stuff it's kind of shocking if you look at the way that they filmed movies from like the early onset to like the 60s yeah man just throwing anything behind a camera yeah (laughs) yeah dude some crazy stuff imax films in their like conception yeah in the 60s (sighs) they were trying everything yeah that's pretty wild that's that's started in the 60s yeah, yeah. This is why, by the way, we 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 undersold him earlier, James, Doctor Jurassic Price, because he is our wealth of knowledge here. So as as you can fucking tell by listening to him, he's just dropping the butter everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what's gonna be. I'm, that's our dropping knowledge. I'm dropping, dropping that butter. hard butter. Dropping hard butter. Um, <laughs> doesn't melt at room temp. This so is so cold. It's so cold. It's so cold. <laughs> but it's so cold. Stay <laughs> solid at room temp. This is actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Evan. I When I wanted to go to grad school, I wanted to write a thesis on this. But cinema tends to repeat itself. And it, it, we've actually visited this in the, yeah. the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari episode, The Cinema of Attractions. The idea that movies first became popular because people were just shocked that you had moving pictures. Yeah. Right. And then that fades away. And then we get the creation of like the narrative film. Mm-hmm. Right. But this, this, I, I was, I, this is my own, I'm, my own term here. But I would say the cinema of attractions really comes around every so often when film is struggling with its regular narrative cinema. Cause then we see it again in the late 50s and 60s. They start doing, uh, they tried smell a vision. Okay. Literally, they yeah. would release sense into scent into the theater. in the theater while yeah. you're watching the movie. They, then they tried the Cinerama Dome, which was they would film a m- movie with three cameras and put it on three different screens so that you had to turn your head to watch the movie. And there's one of these theaters still in L.A. Uh, the ArcLight Cinemas, yeah, oh, really? the one by yeah. Amita, right? Yep. There's one theater in there that has three screens still, Cinerama Dome. That's crazy, yep. dude. The one, yeah, the one by Amoeba. Um, Amoeba. Was that Amoeba? And then they Amoeba. also they also tried a IMAX, the the seventy millimeter yeah. IMAX film. I don't think it was called IMAX at that time. It might have been, but yeah. And then they tried three D movies in the seventies. So everything we know today, three D movies are really popular now. Yeah, uh, IMAX movies obviously really popular now. It's just coming back around. That's awesome, dude. Well, I mean, and the other thing that you said too about like cinema like repeating itself and coming back around, we've seen that in movies 
that we've seen in a more modern sense. I mean, you pay homage to certain things, but the way they're shot, the techniques that are mm-hmm. used, we saw it in House of the Devil, you know, yep. uh, very much like from the moment it started, Suspiria, we were like, oh, this reminds me of when I watched House of the Devil, you know, at least that was my perception. I heard Evan say it too. Um, and like another movie, which I don't think we've talked about on the show yet, The Conjuring, you know, you have those references to stuff like that. Even like the casting of the lead, you know, uh, Susie, was it Susie or Susan? In I think it was Suspiria. Susie. Susie. Yeah, Susie. I mean, like she was just like a stone cold fox, dude. dude yeah. Just I'm like not... what's her face from uh, House of the Devil. I was, I yeah, was very trying similar. to, uh-huh. I was 100% convinced that she was the chick from the first Indiana Jones movie. Oh, okay. That played Marion? Yeah, she looks so much like her. Uh, maybe like really young her. Well, yeah. Well, this would have been before that, wouldn't it? Yeah, like three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, it, it's it was a, a weird flick, man. Let's talk about like the actual movie and, and stuff yep. like that. Oh, uh, back cinema yeah. of attractions. I yeah. forgot to add this. My my whole thesis was going to be that it's spurred by technological advances. Okay, but really, you see it repeating itself, right? Like sound. Yeah, obviously becomes people go to the movies to listen to the first sound pictures, which yeah, is spurred yeah. by the invention of sound. Yeah, three D. Well, and that. I feel like this movie too did a lot of that in excess. Like you had the color there in droves and you had it there like just fucking bright, like beyond all means. You had like the, the sound was just like clattering. It was just like this constant noise, you know, um, and anything that could be moving would be and in an exaggerated form. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to it too it was just kind of like here these are things you can only do with movies yeah it was very hyper realistic yeah and it i mean obviously it had a set storyline in there but the movie is just juxtaposed with like hyper realism yeah the sound Uh, i think the sound yeah the sound like freaking enhanced everything so much more that's and it was like the same riff over and over again kind of scory type soundtrack um which also did it remind you of Friday the 13th? Did you hear a little bit of a... Yeah, yeah, because you had like the whispering in mind. Yeah. So like, and it was just set to like a, was like, la, la, a hardcore la, la, screeching la, la, soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Basically, it was just like harshly whispering the melody that you yep. would hear. I, so the, the band that did the soundtrack is called Goblin. Goblin. <laughs> yeah. Appropriate. They're freaking rad. So my, my buddy, um, shout out to Have Ray you Harkins. listened to them before? Um, yeah. So yeah. my my friend, he coll- Ray Ray yeah oh Ray Harkins Ray Harkins huh? Harkins yeah. he's got his own podcast yeah check, check it out hundred words it. or less check it out plug um <laughs> he's he's showing up Twitter yeah. hundred and forty I'm doing it in a hundred or less yeah <laughs> fuck you Twitter um he rules but he collects like his biggest thing is well he collects vinyl but then he collects uh like a lot of movie soundtracks and stuff like that and he every single like Goblin soundtrack that he that they've put out so do they exclusively do soundtracks uh i think so i don't know i i'm not 100 sure don't quote me on that but i think that's what they at least are prominently known for yeah but they did a lot of like these type of horror movies and stuff like that and this uh record label i'm pretty sure it's this one um death waltz records they started re-releasing all these soundtracks from these movies on vinyl and um they're like an italian like 
sludge metal, like stoner metal band. <laughs> and uh, so they, they did all these soundtracks. But then I was reading that, the, that like all the whispering whenever it was happening yeah. was just one of the dudes in the band just like incoherently whispering gibberish. Like, yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. But like with music, you can't really tell if it's really words or not. Or yeah. What. Fucking so. ominous. And That's the, what it is. So we know that this, the actual music here, this theme music, is non-diegetic, right? Meaning the characters can't heal it, hear it. Yeah. But clearly it like came out at prominent moments. Yeah, it, it like reflects their like mental state, I think, and their emotional state. I mean, you try to do that with every you know, piece of music, I think. You know, you want the 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 viewer to connect more. So you you know, you you bring it in at prominent moments. But I think they did a, a pretty awesome job at just like when you feel like someone was just like, like the the girl uh, Susie when she was having like the headaches and like the hemorrhages and stuff like that, it just got really chaotic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just got really. Cra- and I mean, I know you didn't really care for the actual movie, uh, the remake of Maniac, right? But we heard Rob, the guy who did the soundtrack for that, do that as well. You know, we heard like in the music, it got oh. more chaotic when he was having his headaches. It got the, the sounds got sharper. They got you know more mixed and intertwined. This is why movie music is so important. It is. It dude. it helps uh, helps point you to the uh, <laughs> specific emotion, right? Yeah. They were they were also saying that like <clears throat> when they were filming this movie that um they would actually uh, Dario would actually play that sound the soundtrack like pieces in the bat or like those kind of you know noises or whatever like that they recorded. During the while recording the scene to like put the actresses like more on edge, absolutely. Really? Oh, that's rad. So dude. like, I'll, like I'll, I'll believe this. The title cards put me on edge because they started playing. I was like, oh, oh shit, yeah, yeah. super high pitch like violin. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm it's, already like just suspense constant like state of like shit's about to go down. You know, but when it's like consistently through the whole movie, not just in times of like when yeah. something's about to happen. It's always going on, so you're always on edge. Exactly. You're just kind of like, shit's going to happen at any time. I, I felt Fuck. like... I almost got more scared when the music stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's weird. I kind of wanted to name the music Suspiria. I felt like the name of the movie was the name of the that type theme of song. Actual music, yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, when we first see that fucking house, though, the actual like uh, ballet house, the, the academy, like, holy fuck, dude. The only the front is lit. That's the only thing you see, and it's bright red. Yeah. Like, fuck. Where the fuck do you go to see buildings that are just painted these crazy colors outside yeah. and inside? It remind me of a. Have you ever been to the Madonna Inn? Uh, in San Luis Obispo. Uh, yeah, or it's like on the way up there or something like that. Stephanie just went there. Yeah. It's crazy. Like every room looks like the inside of that freaking building that they're. Are you oh, serious? Geez. Like color wise, oh, like they all have themes, but they're yeah. like like bright weird yeah. like. Like a, a lot of it is like bright, like pink in all the rooms. Oh shit, it's cool. I don't know that I could handle that, dude. Not after watching this movie. Um, just afraid that somebody's gonna come crashing through the stained glass. Exactly, dude. Man, that oh, yeah, the that, o- opening scene. Right. Oh jeez. That was good. Well, the not the opening scene, right? Because that's no. her arriving. Yeah, yeah. Which is also the creepy. First death scene. The whole the whole forest thing going yeah. on. Like the rushing water, it's raining, and then there's like rushing, raging rivers. Yeah. And I was I was like, I felt so emotional, right? Like it was like it was such a charged 
already it was so charged with the soundtrack and these yeah. rushing waters. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm gonna have like a scary orgasm. <laughs> scarygasm. Yeah, scarygasm. And then and then we're just it's treated with that scarygasm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And and then we're just treated with that first death scene and I felt like it was like a release. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like it was pretty eerie how you know, when, I mean, we find out later like, what the girl was saying, but when the when Susie first gets to the, the school, yeah, and she sees that girl like open the door and she looks like she's yelling at somebody, and then she bails, and then you see like stuff going on, like she's trying to get in the school, or whatever, and then she gets yeah. back in the cabin, goes to like, is it where does she go that night? She just goes to like a hotel, I think. But they don't ever show it. Yeah, do they? they don't ever show okay. it. She just arrives the next day. It's, but like as she's driving down the sh- the street, she sees that girl just running through the forest. Yeah, remember like wearing yep. like regular like a dress like, and like a, a cardigan, running in the pouring rain. Like, and then where and does she end up? Does she end up at a hotel also? She ends up at um, another dancer's house. I don't right? think it's a. Yeah, I don't think it's a hotel because she seems to like know the girl. Yeah, because she's like, "Oh, you're just like frightened. Tell me what's going on. Like, you know, this isn't normal." Huh. So I don't know if it's another, um, like, academy or if it's just like a friend's house or something. Yeah, it seemed like a friend. Yeah, but yeah. that looked like a huge. It looked like a hotel. It it did yeah. though. Yeah, it so like, I, a, like a lobby like, and an elevator yeah. and stuff, or maybe I, it was like an apartment building. I, I felt yeah. like it was like, like an apartment building where like where a bunch of the other dancers stayed at like a uh, affiliated hotel <laughs> or something. But yeah, dude, that fucking first death scene. So let's talk about that for the forest scene that he talks about. Yeah, Cause yeah. not only is she running through the forest there and that's creepy as shit. Cause it's yeah. like somehow, I don't know how they did this. It was like uh magical. Only the girl was lit. Yeah. And I, the, the some light of the trees were in the very back yeah. in the very like backlit. But then like the light was like moving with her. You know what yeah. I mean? It's pretty like creepy. Tractor with the light. Yeah. And then that's the second time we saw the forest forest. We saw it a couple of scenes earlier where the, you just, see these like i think they're aspen trees like large aspen trees yeah and then all of a sudden there's like blaring headlights peek through them and you're like yeah. oh geez so i like the opening is just pandemonium it is well what's weird is i feel like we got to start like taking note of like if we haven't already been mentally like taking notes of like mo- motifs that we see in like horror movies just because i mean like i know there's cliches and stuff like oh, okay you know black guy dies first oh no the people who have sex first die first and stuff like that you know we kind of call that out if if we see that we haven't seen that in a while but whatever anyway um but also other things like rushing water you know and stuff like that like okay evil dead you know you have the rushing yep. water there uh, the river fucking uh, identity you know, and granted that was used yeah. differently, but it wasn't just like, oh, it's flooded. It was like, it's almost a and rushing. That, and that you know. leads back to like, that's a paranormal association, right? Like with water, yeah. Rushing water can, can hold like a energy and shit. Like yeah. That. Yeah. That's hold weird. Energy. Fuck, dude. I'm getting freaked out right now. <laughs> There's a fucking creek right there. Right out, like, like fucking within walking distance. Houses right bewitched, man. God damn it. I'm going to go just walk along Did, the river. So, so that first. Why? That, <laughs> why? Just fear boner, man. One with nature. That Didn't first. have sex out by that creek? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that, something was emotionally charged. Yeah. <laughs> um, that first death scene, though. Yeah. I did not expect. A hand to come crashing through that window yeah. after she saw the cat eyes. 
not only a hand but a giant arm with covered in white hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck? What is that? I she wasn't she on the second story? Yeah. yeah. What the f- Then where did when she got po- oh. <laughs> And then he proceeds to try to smash her face against the window and try to kill her that way. Yeah. And yeah. like and then pushes he, her face through the But glass. then when she goes she goes out the window, where does she end up? Where is that? I don't know, but he gets her on top of the building. Yeah, maybe it's like a maybe because she's on the second floor. Maybe he pulls her out like onto the ledge. I don't know. Yeah, because it looked like there was like chain link fence, fences and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was confusing. When he was stabbing her. Yeah. Yeah. And then that. But how about that? Close maybe it's up, like the roof yeah, of the building up? next door. That's that, such a that, fucking intimate kill. That close up heart stab. <laughs> the show. Oh yeah, right <laughs> through like, the heart. Tsk- and like How is her chest open like that? So to see her, her full like, heart, like fucking six times, like in the same. It's like when you yeah. shoot at a target and you fucking group them all together, and it's just a giant hole. Slice and dice. Because the other yeah. thing too is, well, I mean, we don't have to see every single stab. Like he probably was like, I'm gonna cut it open. And yeah. Keep, if if know. this movie teaches you anything, it's that it, it stays away from putting shots in sequence so that it runs smoothly right there's a lot of jump cuts and you're just kind of filling the gap between a lot of a lot of stuff yeah do we know that it was a man that killed her we don't fucking know it was a thing it was a fucking hand with a knife it was a thing it was a hand with a knife did they ever show who the killer is ever I think it's the group at the covenant yeah not like outwardly it's not like ah there's the killer right there it's just like I think the responsible for the it. witch. I can't remember her name. Helen Witcher, yeah. something. Helen, which was the 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 hundred witch, the hundred year old witch. Oh, the yeah. the weez, we, little little Weezer, little Hel- Weezer. Hel- yeah, Helen of something. She Helena no, Bonham Carter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Helen Weezy. She's a witch. Um, oh, that's true. Not only did she like bewitch the yeah. dancer girls but she also kind of bewitched her coven to yeah. attack them so i think it was like the whole group of them because that member um lurch or uh, yeah. renfield as yeah. i will call him the butler yeah. comes chasing after her with a lighter which is yeah. kind of ridiculous but and uh i guess you don't really see whoever pulls out the razor but i thought it was him too didn't you, did they show somebody like in a cloak and then but they had like 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 longish like bobbed hair like it could be, and that would be like kind of, I think, with what James is saying, that it could have been more than one person. Yeah. I think it was the whole, the witch coven that this place happens to be, um, was carrying out whatever message that Helena Bonham Carter wanted them to. Like, she <laughs> well, was like, kill her, kill her. And then they all yeah. seemed to be gearing up to go find her and kill her. And like, not and just she was like, oh, her. shit. Helena wants us to do this. It's just kind of like an instinctual, like on switch. Mm-hmm. I yep. love how we we adapt names for people on the show, and that's not really their names, but we just, <laughs> we just go with it, with it, and we call it. We just say it the whole ride. Yeah, dude, that's part of what makes our show fucking charming. What I didn't it's traditional so naming conventions. What I didn't get was old old wheezy witch. <laughs> old wheezy witch. Why did she Helena come Bowen downstairs Carter. in that scene when they're all sleeping in the same room? Yeah. In like the gymnasium or whatever. Why, Why did she, she come down and next sleep door? right next to him if she didn't know, like, want people to know who she was? I think she kind of, uh, she's not like physically there. Like because when before you see her like actually like wheezing and like snoring like that, she's 
kind of like this like Hovering. shape of like a person and then kind of like morphs into a person like laying down. I got I got that they were just trying to get her out of the maggot infested top floor. That too. Yeah, I didn't fucking think about that. I mean, she's a witch, but she probably still doesn't want to sleep in maggots, right? <laughs> yeah, maggots are witches. Witches don't like maggots. Dude, it's not it's not their thing, you know. Right. Um fucking the color Right, I know we talked about how vivid and how bright it is, but I feel like, and you, you see it a lot in like contemporary movies and shit like that, where like you assign a meaning to a color. I mean, uh, twenty eight days later, twenty eight weeks later, red is rage. You know, it's like blood and it's rage, and everyone's mad and shit like that. Um, but like here, you had red, you had green, you had purple, you had white. Did you pick up on that? Those colors came on to cue certain emotional states. No, but I wouldn't doubt it. So I think this is kind of what I picked up on. We see red anytime anyone's afraid. Okay. So we see red anytime like that. We see green, like in one shot, we see like a lot of green and that's where uh, Sarah was trying to like wake up uh, Susie and she kept falling back asleep and that's where she gets chased. And the whole room turns green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's like confusion where she's like confused. Like, I don't know what's going on. You also saw a lot of green eyes. Yeah. 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 And it's like, where did, where's, where are my notes that I had? Like, you know, she's confused as to what's going on. Then when she's kind of trying to discover, uh, you know, what that was outside and anytime anyone's kind of like, Oh, what's going on here? Like, I'm, there's something I'm trying to unravel. That was purple. So it was like mystery or something like that. Like they're trying hmm. to investigate that. And then anytime you would see, and here's what was interesting, white was whenever there was something, you know, malevolent on the other side of the door or the window or coming in. Yeah. Like you the, uh, you'd see it blaring through the windows or mm-hmm. like we saw through the forest or through with the headlights in, in tow. Fucking right? Adrian Brody walking his dog. Yeah. Not actually Adrian Brody, but it's a guy that looks like Adrian Al, Brody. Al Pacino in Serpico. <laughs> I don't take no money from no crooked cops. Well, he's blind in the scent of a lady. <laughs> hey, there it is. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, scent, scent of a woman. Scent of a woman. Same thing. But the title is still creepy. Yeah, it's like, oh, scent I of a woman. Scent. Ooh, ah. <laughs> More margaritas. Um, but yeah, like you have what appears to be Washington, D.C., being lit with like, and or Rome and or Rome and, and that's what I was gonna say. Is Greek. I I felt very Roman there. Yeah, which would, I mean, it lays hand with the Italian crew, not yeah. Germany. Um, but yeah, it didn't seem German at all. It definitely seemed like it had the Roman architecture, like yeah. the Corinthian columns. I and think the was, temple of the gods. Wasn't it was probably it filmed filmed in Rome, mostly in Rome, or in parts of mm. Italy. I would imagine. Oh, I could tell you, Italian. it's set in. In Germany, I don't know where it's filmed. Yeah, but fucking uh, yeah, you see the bright white lights there. You, anytime there's like an imminent attack, you see that like bright white light, and shit like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I was hoping that you'd be able to say, "Yeah, I noticed that." You're exactly I, right. <laughs> I'd but. say the the lighting in general. There's so many bright white lights, and just from a single solitary source. That it is ominous. It's it is like there's uh, you know aliens on the other side of the door, as you'll see in yeah. like the X Files and yeah, whatnot, yeah. right? Yeah. So I I'd agree definitely with the white and the red too, because the red shows that there's like 
a, a flood of emotions, right? We see that when she spills the wine in the sink, or not spills, but dumps the wine in the sink, mm-hmm. and it stains the the counter. Like she's having this final like wake up call. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought what they did that was kind of interesting was from the beginning when you see Susie in the um, lobby of the actual academy. It, it, I don't know about you guys, but immediately I honed in on the background characters. Like you have, what's her face? The, the one that looks like she'd be a witch. The one who's like, like a total jerk. And she's like snakes, like S names and blah, blah, blah. And like, she was just one of the students. Well, yeah, no, I know, but she was the one that was really witchy looking. Oh yeah. She was like the, uh, she was like the hazing sorority sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you don't ever see her again after. No, you don't. After Susie moves into the school dorm. Yeah, that's what's weird. But you see her in the background, and she's walking around, and she's not, like, camera checking, but she's, like, looking at, like, Susie and, like, the head mistress lady or whatever. Um, like, in the, she's out of focus in the background, but you can see her, like, walking and then, like, slow down and, like, turn and look at them. She's playing her part. And she, you know, when she fucking, like, makes a phone call, you just see her, like, really playing it up. And I'm like... There's so much going on in the background that you're you're so focused back there. And then what's his face? Uh, like Brad Pitt or whatever his name is. Fucking oh, the pretty oh, boy. With, oh, with with uh, super high waisted jeans. Yeah, high waisted yeah. jeans guy. He seems sketchy the whole movie. Yeah. Well, in the beginning when he's like he wiping se- the counter, he's like, I'm like, okay, that guy's gonna be something. He's well, even be the like killer. later when uh, when Sarah disappears, quote unquote, and the giant German woman is telling her like, oh, she just ran off. And then she's like, let's just call her the Führer. Yeah. yeah. The Führer. <laughs> the Führer. Führer. There you go. Um, we'll just call, what's his name? Let's just say Billy. Kevin Bacon. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin. We um, do we do, we do. do bring the Kevin Bacon uh, uh, icon into this a lot. But he looks like a, a Kevy Bakey. When, when the Führer was like, oh, Kevin heard her leave this morning. And yeah. he's like, Oh yes, yes, I, that's I, right. I, yeah, like I, like yeah. he was making it up almost. Like, I I heard her footsteps and then I heard a car leave. Well, that's that that does beg a question because the bully sorority sister you hear tells um, Susie yeah. when Kevin Bacon first shows up yeah. that oh yeah he uh, he can never pay his rent on time so he's very subservient yeah. to the headmistress yeah which then. Begs the question: Is he in the coven? Is he in the it, coven? I, I don't yeah. think he is. Well, okay. Have you guys you guys have seen American Horror Story? Yeah. No. Did you watch the episode or the season Coven? No, you haven't have. seen it. I have. But um, you have you know their butler. Yeah. Right. And he's like. A but I feel like, I feel them. like that was more of like who Lurch was. Yeah. Yeah, but who's to say there's only one? Oh. Yeah, she seemed to have. Several, yeah, right. Because it was it was Lurch or Renfield, if you're a Dracula fan, um, and the scary cook, yeah, cooks, yeah. cooks, the twins, yeah, were they twins with their weird those, bastard child? Yeah, yeah, those those old lady twins Hansel? with oh, no, uh, Hansel. Hansel, Hansel yeah. was uh, the headmistress's nephew, right? Oh, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. and Wait, being looked uh, at. You're right, being looked, looked after, after by those ladies the, or that the, lady, the twin, yeah. Cooks, too many cooks. Yeah, like that part when she was like holding that gold knife thing. I didn't get yeah, that part. Like that. I was. I thought it was like a shard of glass or something. 
I think she was what? polishing not in the beginning. Nice. I remember when Susie first goes to the like the her, oh, going yeah. to her room and she get, gets all sick. Yep, and she she flashes some sort of uh, I talisman. Like, at I her. thought it was a gold knife, like she was polishing the silverware. Probably. Yeah, it could be some sort of sharp and shiny object that she sees. I'm going to call it cleaning. a talisman. Tally man. Tally man. That's what gives her the suspirias. Tally man. Oh, all right, cool. Um, but yeah, dude, fucking beautifully shot. I thought, like, you know, the framing in it was awesome. It's just they used a lot of natural framing in it. You know, you have people, you're looking at people through windows. You know, you're looking at people against doors and backdrops, you know, that are just really, I think, perfectly formed to be like, there's a natural frame in there. Um, Little window. Yeah. That first, that first death scene when she was looking out the window before she sees the eyes, I could have sworn I saw a head, like the shape of a head outside. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like behind the sheet, yeah, or whatever. Like, like a like a white head. But I just couldn't tell if that was like her reflection. I, yeah, I think or, it was. Yeah, but that those makes eyes, it by the way, creepy. not creepy at all. No, the eyes aren't creepy. The cat eyes. The I, fucking hand. I got a guy that does cat eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, I got a guy. <laughs> Frank, you got a guy who does cat eyes? Yeah, I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. <laughs> um. So then I thought I love I love. No, go ahead. Go, uh, go. I was just go. Talk about. I'll go. So, <laughs> I like when she is in the witch's room and the witch is just shouting hatred at her, and then she's like, "I don't see her. She's invisible." And then the lightning strikes, and yeah. it just perfectly outlines the witch like four yeah. times. Yeah, it's a bit like here it is. I feel like I'm playing a video game yeah. where it's like, "Oh, there it is. You see him? Kill him." I gotta say though, the her. Rumi's body coming at her with a knife, I would have lost my shit. Oh, yeah. That reminded me of Evil Dead. Yeah. When she's, oh, come, when yeah. she's like laughing, coming at him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, before God. he lobs her head off. Dude. With a shovel. That's what we got to fucking watch that. Dead by too. Don. Dead by Don. Shit, dude. Um, I was watching this thing earlier today about Kurosawa and like his filmmaking style they talked a lot about movement and how like everything that he does is filled with movement even when like it's just a shot of two people sitting there like drinking coffee or whatever it is there's just tons of movement there's nature there's people there's weather there's all that sort of stuff and i picked up on a lot of that here as well i mean not to the extent that Kurosawa does it but you have that rain you know in the background you have um people just constantly going by in and, some cases and what com- what uh evan alluded to or alerted me to in the middle of the movie is that this this movie made heavy use of the newly invented steady cam so you have a lot of camera movement oh yeah 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 which fits right into your theme of a lot of movement going on you see a lot of tracking shots that are through doorways and around corners which wouldn't have been possible uh, without the yeah. invention of the Steadicam, because you would have to put everything on a track, right? Uh, but with the Steadicam, you've got a guy that can walk around and go upstairs, and there's a lot of the uh, cool movements in this movie because of that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I just felt like they did a lot of great things with this movie. Like, just Dario, you know, I don't know if it was just him or the cinematographer that he's working with or... You know, the collaboration, but just the ability to say, like, this would be a really cool shot. You know, okay, we're not going to see the action. Yeah, but it's going to be a really cool shot. You know, we're going to have silhouettes doing stuff. Well, people aren't going to really know what that is. 
so what? You know, maybe what you don't see is scarier. And he, he really makes it work, too, because there's a lot of shots that don't seem very coherent, but somehow bring you around to this to the theme of the movie. This, like, you know, hysteria theme. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like the fucking, the actual like, Salem Witch Trials. You know, you have the whole, like, oh, she's a witch. No, she's not. Come on, you're fucking crazy. And then it's like, oh, shit, she might be. No. She might be a fucking witch. And then, you know, it's like you discover it once it's too late. So that was pretty interesting. I almost thought, I almost think it would be, would have been a scarier movie if you actually never see somebody killing the girls. Yeah, like if it was always, if it was always dead. just like a spirit or like a presence. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like kind of like when. The evil dead. Like when, uh, yeah, yeah. But like kind of like when Adrian Brody was walking his dog in the yeah. square. Like you don't see anything, see and it something from the just point of view of the thing. Kind of, but you could like even argue that that, that it wasn't like it. I mean, you could just you, somebody could argue that it was yeah, just an overhead shot. But you're talking about like when the bird, yeah, like flies down, yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, the it possessed the dog or whatever to kill him. But um, that's almost scarier than actually seeing a hand stab somebody. You know, I don't know. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I, I did enjoy though some of the horrific details that he showed, like the stabbing of the heart. Yeah. Where like the noose around the neck was like crazy. And then there's there's another stabbing later, right? Or the slitting of the throat. Yeah, the oh, slitting of the throat. Really slit well, Susie's chick, roommate. She like totally just jumps into a pit of razor wire. I don't even know if it was razor wire because she it's didn't seem to be getting cut. She wasn't. I think it was supposed to be though. I was reading a thing on it and it said Although it wasn't real barbed wire that she jumped in, it still was uncomfortable because it was pinching her the whole time, or <laughs> something like that. I mean, it's supposed okay. to be barbed wire, yeah, but later obviously on she couldn't jump in barbed wire. There's lots of blood, yeah. so you know they can't really have her. Yeah, being real barbed wire. <laughs> Why not? It's not America. There are no rules. It's true. <laughs> Last minute, Darty was like, "Switch the real uh, barbed wire. <laughs> a push her in. Make her the nicer meat, the marinara sauce. <laughs> With your blood. What if that's what all the blood was? Just marinara sauce? Because they have so much of it in Italy. <laughs> ah, there you go. Here. <laughs> um, but yeah, we could probably talk all day about just how awesome this movie looked and sounded and felt. Um, I think it's it's one of those movies, like, we could talk about it, like you're saying, but... You have to go see it. You, you gotta you go to see, see it. it. You know what I mean? I, I, I'll to be honest. Like story wise, you know, it, it's not like oh man, it's the Been most there, original thing in the world or anything. But at the time, you know, the story, you know, was about like the occult and stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind of that? when that stuff was really yeah. in vogue. Yeah, you know, you had uh, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Um, that's all I can think of right now. Yeah. Salem's Lot. I don't know. Is that with witches? Um, House of the Devil, made of the Devil. even though it was made in 2007, is yeah. about the well, same. I think time. Yeah, it was about yeah. the same era, time, yeah. or time period. Um, the Charlie Manson, yeah, that's going on in real yeah, life. Yeah, witch stuff was huge in that Occult, time. Yeah, frame. witch, all that stuff. Yeah, this I is, love that stuff. It's fascinating to me. I it's fascinating yeah. to me too. The the occult thing. See, uh, there's a a really good movie out that kind of went under the radar with. The Lost Olsen sister, the youngest one. Oh, you told oh, me about really? this movie. You it saw is it. Martha, mm, uh, Martha, Martha Marcy May Marlene is the name of it. And really? it, it's got John Hawks, which you uh, 
uh, you know from Winter's Bone, and from Identity, which we did. Yeah. Uh, it's got John Hawks and I think it's uh, Elizabeth Olsen, the youngest okay. Olsen sister, uh-huh. which also happens to be the best actress, in my opinion. But see that one? That one's about um, just a uh, uh, maybe more of a cult rather than an occult type yeah, of okay. si- situation, but very creepy in the brainwash and how you become part of this this cult. Um, but that's a good one, too, that fits into this this genre that we're talking about. It's a what, good exploratory of the what the what draws people to cults. What did you say it was called? Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Good job. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. It's tough to say. No, I just wanted to make sure that people didn't or people you got it right for the for the folks out there. Well done. Well done. So yeah, that, but but what you're saying though, the yeah. I agree. Like the story written by Dario, also by the way, was um you know it's not not the most inventive, but. It's it's very you know well done. He's thought out all the corners. He's made it hyper realistic so he can cut a lot of corners. Yeah. But what what shines here is the direction. Yeah. This that, that artistic eye, you know, I think is is definitely what makes it. This is a a good um, film to talk about, and my killer dissection list will be on on yeah. kind of auteur theory because I think this well, fits let's in do that. perfect. Let's talk about that. Okay, so sharpen up your knives. Let's do it. Time for killer dissection. I hope to have a Wilhelm scream. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> and that pterodactyl noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> that'd be awesome. I had a, a. I really had a couple things to talk about in this movie because there's so yeah. much. Um, there's like what we talked about in episode, the maniac episode, there's another repeating theme here of the lower Mulvey, uh, uh, theory of visual pleasure in narrative cinema, which we talked about. And the idea of yeah. the gaze, G A Z E. I know you're going with the gaze, yeah. <laughs> uh, but how it, how women are depicted as objects yeah. and, uh, the, Viewers supposed to identify with the male, uh, the male section of looking at women, yeah. the male feeling of looking at women, which you get here very obviously because you have not quite point of view shots, but you only see the arm of the killer, and it's killing section. It's like stabbing sections of the woman. Yeah, it's which not is a, killing her as a whole. Yeah, which is a really good way to objectify parts of a woman, and also have you identify with the killer because you are only seeing an arm, making it seem as the viewer were in the body of the killer. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's one real cool uh, tie-in into our what we talked about in our killer dissection for Maniac. Um, there's also a, um, also the, um, uh, what do you call it? Idea of avant-garde. This is a yeah. bit of an avant-garde film and that term meaning lit- literally translated to like front of the line i think it's a military term but you see that this is not your classical hollywood cinema yeah like it's spearheading something new Mm -hmm. it's It's very a pioneering it's 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 uh definitely european but it it follows kind of the french new wave of the 60s where there you see a lot of jump cuts not everything is smooth in fact it's almost jarring to create an idea of of hysteria or suspense and you see that er really early on i mean it's she's walking by or she's driving in the cab past like outpour of rainwater yeah and it just cuts 
suddenly upstream to the rainwater and then cuts back to the cab and you're it's kind of like it's not smooth at all and you can follow you're like hey, i'm in the cab i'm looking at water i'm back in the cab okay weird and that's what we're talking about where like it's not smooth but you see all these jarring images of color or yeah raging water or um things like things like that jump cuts to these different things mm-hmm. which is you know an op- avant-garde of the time because you're going away from the classical hollywood cinema which is like make it seem like there's no camera make it flow like you're there oh okay so you see a little bit of that um something that avant-garde type uh filmmaking and then um what we really should should talk about is auteur theory right okay and this came this theory came about in the late 40s because of uh some french critics started writing about hollywood movies and they said you know Hollywood uh, really credits the producer um, for uh, all the creativity in the movie, which, um, by the way, is why when a movie wins Best Picture at the Oscars, it's yeah. accepted by the producer and not the director. You ever notice that? Interesting. Mm-hmm. See, I'll, I'll, I'll be real. I don't really like watch the Oscars. I don't, you know, that's place a, a lot of importance on that. But <laughs> I'm just like, okay, tell me the next day who who won. Okay. Yeah, who won what? Right. So you can right. check out the movie, right? Because yeah. that's really what's important. But even to this day, like producers accept the award for best picture, not director. So they are credited with it. And that stems back to early classical Hollywood producers were given the credit because they were really the ones that were sitting in the war room, coming yeah. up with the story with the writer and the director there. And the director was more of a, uh, you know, you had you had him on, on staff and he would go and he'd just execute shots and the screenplay and then mm. get it done. But the director started to evolve with the likes of like John Ford, Cecil B. DeMille, these guys started putting their own flair into movies, yeah. and the French film critics were the first to kind of pick up on it, especially with Ford, and start writing about it. And this idea caught on, you know, in the the fifties really, and in the sixties, French film critics like Jean Luc Godard and uh, uh, Luc Besson—he's not French, uh, actually, yeah, I think he is. Is he French or Swedish? I don't know. Luc Besson and um, that sounds like a pretty French-ass name. Yeah, and uh, forget the other guy's name, Truffaut, and a couple other French critics are like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to make movies because I know how to do yeah. it better than Hollywood because I've studied how how directors really yeah. get it done. And uh, this is a great uh, tribute to that because. It's clearly a Dario Argento movie, right? There, yeah. there are a lot of styles that are associated with him, and auteur theory. What they finally, Andre Bazan was the French critic that finally wrote it out, uh, broke it down. If we water it down, it's three main things, right? Okay. The idea of uh, the author of the film is not the producer, but the director, and the director okay. has the ability to show technical competence mm-hmm. in a film, uh, which is the first. The second. Um, thing that determines like an auteur is a distinguishable personality. Okay. Which in Argento you see the avant-garde and the yeah. color and the the jarring soundtrack. Yeah. And images, and the third being interior meaning, ultimate glory of cinema as an art form or storytelling act, right? And ultimate meaning, you know, here would be the theme of, you know. This this hysteria or this this supernatural theme that uh, your feelings are kind of dictating your actions, right? Yeah. You see that the girls start to wonder whether or not it's all in their head, 
or if something's actually going on. Yeah. And that's that's the whole role of the psychiatrist in this this movie, right? Is to say like, oh no, it's it's all in your head, really. Yeah. And so it's like the this um this theme of like your emotions getting the best of you. And are they really or are they really telling you the truth about yourself, you know? Yeah. Uh so it's just kind of a couple things that really make this a Dario Argento film and establish like auteur theory that directors have those three abilities um to dic- uh, to influence a movie which yeah. is what makes it their movie okay right i mean i i feel you cause that like, makes sense no it 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 does because like we've talked about it before i'll probably talk about it again but i think it's not what I'm going to mention, it's not a good movie. I thought it was, and I went back and rewatched it, and it's not. Batman Returns, and, you know, it's a fuck through and through, it's a Tim Burton movie. You know, I mean, you, Batman is the title character, you know, you're using DC characters, you know, it's written, you know, by someone, but at the end of the day, it's a Tim Burton film. You know, and that comes through in the theme, you know, the, um, you know, he, he, you have a story there that goes start to finish somewhat, um, but you have his take on that story and that's, you know, the life of a tragic hero or a tragic, you know, uh, villain, I should say, you know, so it's pretty interesting that. Yeah, you know, that that's kind of a, a big shift because nowadays we don't talk about producers. We mention them and we're like, oh, okay, this guy likes this type of movie. You know, oh, Michael Bay producing it. That must mean it's an action explosion film. Right. You know, but every director has their own flavor to it that they're going to add to it. It's really changed the face of Hollywood. The If you think it's kind of crazy to think that a French guy in the 40s wrote this essay about, no, 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 I think... Directors really have the are the real authors of film, and not the producers. Has now dictated the fact that like Christopher Nolan gets final cut and can do whatever project he wants is because people credit yeah. successive movies now automatically to the director, which That's is crazy. Yeah. Which you know is probably true for the most part, but I'm sure there are instances where it isn't. Right? Like, well, yeah, where it's more of an assembly line. Yeah, you have one person that does this, one person does that. They all do their job, and then you make the money. Or like The Godfather, even though Francis Ford Coppola was brilliant and, and, yeah. and put together that film brilliantly, or sorry, or filmed that 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 movie brilliantly, the producer is the one who did the final cut. Yeah, which gives us like a, the sweet scene at the end where they assassinate all the heads of the five families at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Coppola had it set up completely differently, and the producers wanted to put it together. So it's like, oh, that that movie kind of shares credit there. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, it's what you're saying about the whole um, hysteria, and you know, is it all just in your head? Emotions getting the best of you. I think it's interesting because, given the time period for when this movie came out, given where it's from, you know, Europe, and given, um. Those other aspects that you're talking about it, I can't help but feel that there's some thing in there. There's some social commentary. There's some political commentary there um, that I'm not quite fully grasping yet. You know, you know. I it almost seem it almost seemed like socialism or or fascism, right? I got a little bit of an yeah. undertone of that. You have that, and then when when they're at the beer hall, 
and you see the <laughs> you see the police officers standing outside, and we all commenters saying, "Oh, the Gestapo's right there." Yeah, you know it, it's and the the long trench coats, military style cap. Even the head of the ballet is just that strong German woman. Yeah, yep. exactly, and and yeah. and it's so it seems like like it's almost like a fascist government is trying to control the ballet, the like like art and creativity, right? Which yeah. is what the ballerina stands for. They're just trying to control it and and really flush out anyone who questions their control. Yeah. Uh, but really, in the end, the our art and creativity wins, right? Because the ballerina yeah. trusts her emotions and escapes. Yeah, and and you also have the um, the the older professor guy, you know. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Where she was surprised. She's like, "I'm surprised someone like you believes in something like witches." And I mean, that would probably be kind of like just you know, you'd be surprised at who in government you know thinks this is wrong. like it's maybe not so much a you know this party versus that party sort of thing. But it's like no, you you can be part of you know party B and see party A's point of view yeah. and say like oh no like that there, there's truth to that. The truth you know? is out there. The truth is out there. I want to believe. By the way, did you notice that the younger psychologist was the guy from Ace Ventura? He's from a ton of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. Whatever his name, something Victor Camp or something. The like the rich dude from Ace Ventura. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh hey. <laughs> the dude who was like, it's all in your head, whatever. Professor, come talk to her. She's crazy. Yeah. I yep. gotta go. Him, yeah. Ace Ventura. Oh, that's crazy. Where's the pinky ring? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird the how this second shit one? goes down. No, the first one, where they go to his house, remember the party? Oh, Captain Steubing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our gopher and doc. <laughs> Permission to come aboard, sir. That guy's house. That's so weird, like how these people do different you know, movies throughout their careers and just... Yeah. You start off in Suspiria and end up in Ace Ventura. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like fucking Christopher Walken, right? Like, look at his resume. Oh, Deer Hunter. He goes from winning an Oscar yeah. to uh, what the fuck does he do now? He did a Pe- live action Peter Pan. Live action Peter Pan, he, which he I heard play- was on horrendous. He plays himself on SNL. That's what he does <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> yeah. um, cool, man. Well, I feel like we've definitely stabbed this one in the heart with all of our poignant words or lack thereof. Um, I mean, unless you guys had anything else to say, but I mean, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. No. The only bad thing I'd yeah. say is like, it doesn't make sense why this movie's all in English. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they don't really explain why the characters are speaking English, right? That's like, true. I mean, think about like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I mean, even that movie's subtitled for people who shouldn't be speaking. I feel like English. it was just a, a, for the time that it was made, It maybe they were trying to appeal to the American audience. Yeah, yeah. No, I get I get like the not, not marketing, but the the ploy for a, a larger audience. Yeah. But I just that was my only thing that bugged me. I was like, why does everybody speak English? Yeah. I mean, we'll see that in movies now too it, though. It's clearly like she's she goes to Europe, you know, so you'd expect that it'd be maybe a mix or maybe there'd be like, yeah. oh yeah, everyone here, you know, knows two languages. Yeah. But it was just like, yeah, it's an American movie. Yeah, I mean, you see that in movies now, too. It's a little bit less common. And, you know, you mentioned Glorious Bastards, and you have other movies where they just say, okay, they're going to be speaking whatever language they speak, and it's going to be subtitled. Or in some ballsy cases, I can't think for the life of me 
what some of those were like off the top of my head. I know I've seen something recently where they're talking in another language and it's not subtitled and it's not dubbed. I hate that. You know, and it fucking frustrates the shit out of me. It does. But then I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Cause you're in with the main character. Yeah. Yeah. Even more so now keeps you with the, the, uh, cause you're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And, and plus really we, Attach ourselves to dialogue a lot, but if it's really well done, you don't need the dialogue, right? Yeah, exactly. We've learned that lesson. Um, all right. Well, thanks for your astute analysis on this. Guys, we got to be rolling out here. But of course, before we roll out, we got to talk about the next movie that we're going to do. Uh, as always, I'm going to hand it off here to our resident badass here. The one, the only, Evan LeBron, because there is one LeBron Hence, the brawn. I don't even know what you just said. I don't know what I just said either. I was just giving you time to prepare all your shit. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, next we're going to be doing a movie that, quite frankly, probably one of my favorite movies in the last couple of years in this genre. But uh, we're going to be doing James Wan's The Conjuring. Yeah. Oh, conjure up some demons here. I'm going to explode all over this movie. Is James Wan the Saw guy? Yep. Yep. He's also doing that. He also did the new Fast and Furious 7 movie coming out. Oh, shit. Oh, didn't he do Fast and the Furious 6? No. no so, so at some point in the Fast and Furious, <laughs> someone's going to like lose a limb or be haunted. Or... Yeah. Um, movie is great. And we'll talk about it more when we record. But when this movie came out, I got obsessed with it. And me and my friend... Uh, I remember we went to go watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think it was me and Matt. Yeah, at, at work we like obsessed over it one time, one day at lunch, and like I looked up every like Wikipedia article on that because it's a true story. Yeah, and yeah. Just found it like I found out where like the people like where the actual house was, and I like, yeah. like Google Maps it and like checked it. Oh, I was, I was so into it. Oh, but fuck, uh, dude, this movie's great, and I'm super stoked to do it, and I'm excited. Because awesome. James has never seen it, I have not. I have not seen it, but you have told me seen it. Mo- you have told me to see it multiple times, and I we certainly we almost watched listened. it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, started. Yeah, we it. got about twenty minutes in. It's all right. We'll, we'll have some time to watch it here. Well, guys, I'd love to leave you with some killer lines, but again, very few killer lines here. There's no like thing. I don't know. Do Can you, you just any? reenact that that soundtrack theme? Uh, I was gonna, but I forgot the melody. That's the thing. That's uh, the problem. That's what I was gonna you do. You were whistling it like on the way in here. I know, and I forgot it. I can't think about it. Well, it, don't be late for supper because we're really strict about supper. So there you go. There's your half-assed killer line. <laughs> Whatever. Is <laughs> that even on the movie? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. They say like, oh, we're gonna be late for supper. They're really strict about supper. <laughs> that was just like one throwaway line. Because that's when they like go in their little like witch room and like witch it up. Uh, or I don't know, something like that. Anyways, see you guys. See you later. <laughs> Come back again, please. <laughs> we don't have friends. Oh, horror movies that won uh, Oscars, nineteen sixty eight, Rosemary's Baby. Boom. Done. End it.